Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Not the Royal Wedding, a Republican antidote to all the royal guff. This episode is from the cartoon studio of Martin Rosen, the celebrated cartoonist. Uh, you'll have probably seen him in The Guardian. You'll have certainly, I hope, seen him doing my cartoon on a Monday in the Mirror. My cartoon. My All right, cartoon. your cartoon. Okay, your cartoon. As, your... I, as, I, as I always give you the idea for the jokes in the column, I think it's a bit much. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, uh, you know, credit where it isn't due, uh, yeah, exactly. I've always thought. Uh, <laughs> but this is going to be a, a first, really, on a podcast, an audio podcast, because you're going to draw a cartoon. We will put it on the website, Martin, won't yep. we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So everyone, we uh, can see it uh, at the end. Now, you are a Republican. Why are you a Republican? What's the fundamental reason you are? <sighs> Well, because I think I'm, you know, I'm pushing 60, and a few years ago I finally realised I was grown up. And uh, so I'm not all that impressed by being shown a picture of some rich person and suddenly feeling all gooey inside and just grateful for the fact that a rich press baron has allowed me to see a photograph of somebody I'd previously never heard of. And um, it's, it, I just find it ludicrous that, you know, I know previous contributors to this podcasts have received the usual flood of terrific hate mail because they've said something slightly disobliging about these rich people of whom we've previously never heard of. Um, why? Why Why do they get so het up about it? I just, I genuinely don't get it. I mean, I have nothing against um, Harry and Meghan. Uh, they seem to be very nice young people uh, doing whatever they do. They make no difference to my life. Um, but, uh, you know, I genuinely don't understand why I should care one way or the other. And... Uh, you know, it, and in a way, being presented with this, every time they do this, the, the, the you know the the beautiful guilt chips off a bit because you know we're of an age, Kevin. We all remember having the day off for Princess Anne's oh, yeah. wedding to Mark Phillips, foggy to his friends because he was thick and wet, and um, and of course that ended well, didn't it? Uh, and then we had. Uh, the famous royal wedding of Charles and Diana, oh, cool. um, where I went to, uh, you know, I remember, I remember that very well because I, I was the only person on a train travelling to London to go to my sister's anti-royal wedding barbecue, which was quite fun. And, um, and I remember the night before, uh, it was the International Year of the Disabled, there was a riot in Liverpool. The Liverpool Constabulary celebrated the International Year of the Disabled and the royal wedding uh, during a riot by driving a, a police car at speed down a back alley and hitting somebody in a wheelchair during a riot. You know, we forget about that bit. Yeah. We also forget yeah. about the pub in St Ives that had all these fairy lights attached outside it to celebrate the royal wedding, and there was a, a bit of a fuse gone, and um, a thatch burnt down. That's something else that the royal wedding was responsible for. Yeah, they're guilty of a lot. They're guilty of a lot. And, it's, and, and, and then I remember Prince Andrew's wedding. Yeah, that went well. Oh, yeah, brilliantly, and, yeah. And it's always it, it always just sort of chips away, and you and every time you're meant to think of it as a fairy tale wedding. Well, fairy tales are about um, horses turning back into rats and mice, and golden 
<laughs> gold, golden carriages turning back into pumpkins and all that kind of thing. And, um, and the last one, which was William and, um, what's her name? Uh, Kate Middleton. Kate Middleton, thank you. Uh, shows how much I pay attention to the news. Um, I thought, actually, that the spell has completely broken because they obviously love each other. Oh, no. <laughs> and therefore, it's, it's, it's not right because, you know, they celebrate these, uh, these royal weddings by having what most people don't have. Most people have a karaoke, possibly a karaoke, a disco, you know, get the indoors around, they all get drunk in a marquee somewhere in a country house hotel. What they don't have is heavily armed men marching through civilian areas, <laughs> which is what the royals always have. And part of it is the, is the magnificent hypocrisy, which is the mortar of the British state. You know, people um, forget that the, that the British state that we live under is the successor state to the the Norman Conquest state. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, this is, this yeah. is an invasion yeah. state, and and this is just the, the latest avatar of it, if you like. That um, the monarchy slowly, slowly had its powers chipped away, except its powers of patronage and its powers to accumulate more and more wealth to itself, and we're still meant to be grateful to them. Yeah, do you, you see it as perf uh, performing a political role in a, in the sense of uh, inequality? Tick, it's fine. Well, my, um, my, old, my old dad, who was a senior academic, and he was a sort of bit of a bit of an anarchist, I suppose, in many ways, but I remember him saying to me when I was about 16 or 17 that the monarchy was the crow, was, was the cock crowing on top of the dung heap, that actually everything else comes down from the monarchy. It's not about the individuals, it's about the fact that there is this crumbling edifice, which is the British state and the British establishment. You know, if you left it out in the garden overnight, it would probably fall to pieces. Um, yeah. And... All this patronage which pours down, you know, people pathetically grateful to get a British Empire medal. Yeah. <laughs> so I've never quite understood why you should take awards from the state. Um, I know people who've taken them, and it hasn't made them better. To be no, honest. I mean, I can see with charity workers. I mean, I'd stop and uh, you know, stop the system and restart it. But I can see charity workers, people who've, who've done a you know, a commitment to the community, but uh, I think it's ruined by well, like, political to... gongs, uh, yeah, you know, party to, donors. I have to tell. I have to tell a very unfortunate story here. Um, a few years ago, um, I was rung up by BBC Radio London. Uh, it was about 15 years ago, back in the day when they, I used to be on a list they had, guaranteed to fill dead air. And <laughs> they said, we're having a debate between Christmas and New Year about the honours list. Um, what do you think about the honours list? I said, oh, well, it's all a lot of nonsense. There's a lot of patronage coming from the top. I mean, you should just have one thing for everybody if you, if you need to make, uh, do it at all. I said, yeah, great, great, great. We'll get back to you. And I completely forgot about it. Completely forgot about it. And on a sort of the 28th of December, we'd been to a party the night before. The phone goes at 10 to 8 in the morning. I had a hangover. I said, hello. I said, hello, Martin, BBC Radio London. You're on in 10. I thought, oh, my God. Ah. So I came up to this room here where we are at the moment. My wife got the kids into bed with her, retuned to BBC Radio London. And I was having a debate with some monarchist who was saying, you know, but it's marvellous, all these wonderful things. You're the dame commander of the British Empire. Um, you know, which doesn't exist Very anymore, all this kind of thing. And, um, and I say, yeah, it's all just a lot of nonsense. You're sitting your ass for 50 years at the Department of Pen Pushing and Paper Clips, and then you become a knight commander of something which doesn't even exist. And then the presenter said, well, don't you think there should be some way of marking the impact you have on your community? Oh, yeah. At which point there was one of those terrible brain farts where you realise your mouth is moving, but it's disconnected from your conscious brain, because I heard myself saying, in which case they should give... 
Harold Shipman an MBE. Ooh, <laughs> ooh, yeah, I could see why that may be a little controversial. Yes, the, and there was a terrible was 140, 150 yeah, yeah, yeah. patients he killed. Yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. Imagine yeah. impact on his community. No, you um, did. He certainly did. And there was a terrible did, pause. At which point, said, "Well, I don't think the listeners to BBC Radio London would agree with that, and they never mm-hmm. called me again." So really, well done. <laughs> well done. Yeah, you've freed yourself of the feudal shackles of uh, BBC, uh, <laughs> BBC Radio London. Uh, but we've got a, a blank piece of uh, yeah, paper here. Where you just describe what you have got a pencil there. And I'm just beginning to draw uh, Meghan Markle, which is a first for me. I've never drawn Meghan Markle before. Mm-hmm. Um, very attractive uh, young woman, and, and good luck to her. Um, uh, I'm glad to see that she has now uh, become a full communicant of the Church of England, uh, because, of course, we live in a multicultural society, which I approve of massively. I think it's a very good thing. We need some diversity. Um, and yet, of course, if you are a member of the royal family, you cannot be a Roman Catholic. Uh, and yeah. again, this sort of yeah. creaking edifice of the yeah. British establishment, that um, there are all these things that they can't do. They can't vote, I don't think. Can they vote? They can't in parliamentary elections. They might be in local elections, but I'm not sure uh, you know, the Queen pops out uh, up in Sandringham or Windsor or... Is it Buckingham Palace? That'll be Westminster or what, any of um, many other uh, places. Uh, yeah, there we are. But uh, no, they are unusual uh, in that sense, and the the fact the fact the monarch is the uh, the head of the Church of uh, England, defender of the faith. Yeah, I think, is, I think we're, we're is in modern Britain is it, it jars. Well, we we are one of um, I think sort of four countries on earth that has a state religion. There are very few others that have it. Well, we have no written constitution, but it is no, it's there. It, it is yeah. embedded in yeah. the state, and you know, a tiny group of people go to uh, Anglican services regularly on a Sunday. Um, of course, they will argue furiously that everybody should. Um, but it's all moved on. And you just think, why do we... Ha- I mean, in a way, uh, we probably miss it for a bit. Because suddenly there would be this void where previously there was all this tinsel and bunting. Yeah. Um, I think it's not something we would miss for that long. Um, people say, well, what would you replace it with? Would you have a president? Well, no, no, no. You see, the, but what people don't get is that for the last 300 and something years since the glorious revolution of 1688 we've actually been a hereditary republic and we have a we have a head of state a president who is a hereditary president whereas in america they have an elected monarch so <laughs> so the, the, the so the yeah. so the the head of state is completely irrelevant apart from having to do certain things and open some shops and appear on the stamps and therefore we invest an enormous amount of importance in them because it's a wonderful distraction from everything else. And there's a mar- and, th- and this sort of goes back 300 years. So looking back at you know, the 18th century, uh, a century of which I'm extremely fond because they understood the importance of satire at the time, the great uh, rebellious British politician and satirist and journalist John Wilkes who wrote an attack on the King's speech in Parliament and Butte's government in about uh, 1761. And they tried to get him on seditious libel, Mm. on treason. A cabinet minister challenged him to a duel in order to murder him because they said, in attacking the king's speech, he was attacking the king. Of course, everybody knew the king hadn't written the king's speech. Of course not, But this idea you can get away with all these things because it's our sovereign lady, the queen, is doing it. You know, you're doing all these things Mm. in the name of the queen. And, oh, how can you be horrible to the lovely queen? Mm. Because there she is looking all lovely. And we all love them because we have all these photographs given to us by all these press barons. Mm. Say, look at that. You should be so grateful. You can see the Duchess of Cambridge now uh, doing her shopping, Mm. or whatever it is she does. Mm. 
I think you can see Meghan Markle's uh, head here on your... Yeah, we can see, we can see yeah, Meghan Markle's head. Yeah, you've done it quite nicely for you. Well, you know... Uh, that's, yeah, that's, some that's, of yours are pretty vicious. As I say, I have, I have nothing personally against Meghan Markle. I don't, I'm, I'm not entirely sure who she is. I mean, what, what, what did she do previously? Uh, she was she's a, an American uh, actor in Canada in a... I think it was a legal series called Suits. Okay. I've never watched it. I suppose I should, really. So but, she's, uh, a, she's, she's an actress. Um, yep. Yeah. Uh, what 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 qualities does she have that uh, appeal to um, Prince? What's his name? Harry. Well, I mean, we put, look, it's a family podcast. We couldn't possibly <laughs> go into uh, issues like that, uh, Martin. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I hope they're very uh, happy. I'm sure you hope they're very happy. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I, just I, the way I they're foisted it, upon us. I have nothing against them personally. I think I, I wish them well. Um, I, I don't see why they should be knocking the snooker off the telly for, we, for us to watch them getting married. I mean, it's not happening to anybody else. I'm sure there are going to be tens of thousands of people who are getting married who are not getting full press coverage. But, of course, a, a lot of it is down to um, our profession, yeah. newspapers. No, no. The sort of the fawning, drooling imbecility of newspaper editors who think, well, what's going on? Oh, let's, let's run a picture of a royal baby. Let's run all this kind of stuff. Yeah. I've got nothing against royal babies. I think royal babies are nice. Yeah. The, the, the weird thing is how incredibly angry people get when you attack the monarchy. Um, I've been, you know, I'm a satirist. It's my job to give a great gift of offence. But um, every time I, I do a cartoon about almost anything, I, I, I will get tons of hate email. And death threats. Yeah, I'm sorry, but, sorry yeah. about. I'll stop yeah. saying that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, death threats by email don't count. Yeah, one of your children's ears sent to your home address. I will say. Yeah. But um, but I did one uh, recently about the the birth of uh, little Prince Louis. Louis, is it Louis? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and it actually had nothing to. But it was it was Theresa May, and Amber Rudd, and a work experience person from Capita, and the media as the bad fairies, yeah. waiting outside the delivery room. So they're going to be the bad fairies in the, in the fairy tales. And, and it was just taking a knock at them and taking a knock at particularly at the media, drooling over this and turning this into a big thing. It's just a kid being born. And, of course, all these people said, this is a new low for the Guardian attacking a harmless, helpless baby in arms. And it's... But, but it, it wasn't, wasn't a baby you were attacking. It's it wasn't the, a baby I was attacking. Yeah. But it's the assumption you can't say anything even remotely, which is disrespectful. Why should I have respect? For, I mean, the Queen... No. I, I met the Queen last year. Um, very yeah. soft gloves. I met her in my, you don't know about this, my weird role. I'm, I'm a vice president of the Zoological Society of London. We were opening an elephant house at Whipson Aid. The Queen was there to open it. And she came along and shook hands and I said hello. And she said nothing. And she's, she's, <laughs> she's so small so it looked as if you were bowing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I, um, I, I, said, I said nothing except, um, except hello. Oh, and, there we are, very eloquent. And then uh, Prince Philip came along and said, uh, You look bloody freezing! And we said, Yes, we are. Because we were. There we are. And then, right. she, fed, and then she fed two bananas to an elephant called Elizabeth, which is fine. You know, right. so. um, but I didn't feel transformed. <laughs> I mean, I know people who, who were saying, Oh, I've just seen the Queen. You know, these, these poor sods who queue up outside the Westminster Hospital for Officers waiting for a new baby to be born. Right. They're just there all the time. Yeah. Think, what, what do you actually get out of this? Then again, what do I know? I, I, I don't understand Gilbert and Sullivan or crown bowling, you know, so... I'd like, I'd, I'd like the mill to turn around and just say it was a big joke. That's why they went there. And, <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Oh, you've just rubbed out. You've just rubbed out. Uh, I've, just, I've just rubbed out uh, Harry's, Harry. no, Harry's nose. Harry's nose. I haven't got quite Harry right. All right. Um, what was wrong with his nose? Uh, I hadn't made it quite big enough. Oh, right. Oh. Um, 
Because the thing about Harry, uh, we, 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 we will say nothing more than the fact he doesn't actually fit the template of the Windsors. <coughs> right, no, anyway. Um, because I, I know how to draw a Windsor because I know what they look like, but he doesn't look like them. Yeah, anyway, we'll... Um, uh, you, know. But, you know, genetics is a funny old business. It is, it could have just been the, you know, the throw of the dice, really. Yeah, the uh, 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 tombo, that old genetic tombo. could all come up and you look like somebody else. But there we are, we won't, uh, we won't really go into, uh, into that too much. So... She didn't actually woo you then, really, when you met her, did you, at the old uh, no. zoo, uh, Queenie? Mm. No, I was, I, I have to say, I was very impressed uh, when I met Prince Philip once um, at a gala fundraising dinner for the Cartoon Museum, of which I'm a trustee. And this was about 20 years ago. It's a republic, and you see to hang out with yeah, it. You can't help it, because there are all these yeah. organisations, because they, they're, they're patronage imbues these charities with some kind of strange fairy tale glamour so you have to turn up because um, I support the charity and therefore I support uh, any for everything they do and um, it was a fundraiser for the cartoon museum and there were three cartoonists living cartoonists in the rooms at St James's Palace and uh, it was me Peter Brooks of the Times and um, Nick Garland of the Telegraph yep. and Nick Garland was is far too grand to meet royalty so uh, Royally meets Nick Garland. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, um, so uh, Brooks and I were summoned into the ducal presence, and I said hello. And he said, "So, do you have your work syndicated?" And he said, I have absolutely no idea. So, and he then turned to Peter Brooks, who bowed low, put his hand oh, no. and said, That's "Peter the Times. Brooks, Peter Brooks, sir, the Times." At which point, Phil the Greek said, "The Times." Bloody self-righteous Murdoch rag! Wouldn't have it in the bloody house! And I said, well, no, no, terribly sorry, but the, the guardians are self-righteous. Well, no, 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 not as bad as the bloody times! And Tilton his heels stalked away, leaning Brooks with his hand in mid-air, looking slightly flustered. And I, my, my admiration for him went up exponentially at that point. Because it, it, it's like, you know, um, fights where you want both sides to lose. Murdoch against the Windsors. I think I, I, think I backed the Windsors. Ooh, yeah. At least they don't have to ride horses. Combo to lose. Exactly. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> but you do, you do seem to hang out rather a, a lot uh, <laughs> uh, with him. I'm now getting a bit worried. Well, well, well. I'm, 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 I'm still a Republican. If, well, you know, if we have, a, have to have a head of state at all, why do we need to have a head of state? Why do we need to have a state? You might need a meet and greeter, but uh, yeah. the Speaker of the Commons could do it. You could I just think... uh, have a lottery. Uh, well, I, I, I rather feel that it should be a lottery. It should be, it should be on a rotating basis. That, um, you know. So Mrs. Miggins from Manchester was Mrs. Miggins on Manchester. Uh, yeah, should, yeah, should 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 come and do Mr. it. Mr. Barry from Bradford next. Yeah, and then you know the Duke of Athlone if he comes up in the lottery, that's fine. And mm. um, and on it goes. And I think that'd be fine. All you need, all you need to do is to greet President Erdogan or President Trump, oh, okay. and nobody should have to do that more than once. No, no, that's true. <laughs> and yeah. in a way, you know, I remember. Diana's funeral, which was a which is a sort of truly weird event, again a kind of a kind of displaced um, empathising about things, and 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 it took me quite a while to realise why so many people were so upset, and it was because they actually wanted to feel magnificently sad, and a good funeral makes people feel magnificently sad, and you feel empowered by it because it's yeah. because of the rawness of the emotion, and for the previous fifteen years we've been told that the highest sum of human achievement was going shopping. That was it, yeah. you know. Just go shopping; you'll be fine. Just yeah, go shopping, yeah. and they wanted they wanted more than that. Yeah. Um, but watching the funeral and looking at Prince uh, William and Prince Harry, these two little kids with their dead mum in front of them in this gun carriage, uh, and was so I was thinking, 
actually yeah. social services should swoop in and, and, and rescue them so they don't spend the rest of their lives in tweed. Yeah. And it, is, it is a kind of cruelty. <laughs> yeah, that was a sign of an incredibly dysfunctional family. Yeah. Uh, the way they, they performed that. No, ooh, look at that. You've now got a little paintbrush. I know. Oh, no, it's a nice pen. pen. There we are. Paint, paint. We're right. going to do some inking now. Mm. And then I'm going to. I'm not going to do this in full colour because we haven't got time. But we're going to do a bit of inking, and uh, and then we're going to um, we'll have a reveal. But uh, but carry on talking. Yeah, there we I want you to talk. I was going to ask you uh, questions. But the you travel a lot abroad, Martin. When yeah. um, you know you go to cartoon conventions, you really you, you go and you support cartoonists in areas. Uh, yeah, of, the, of the world where they're under pretty pretty bit of pressure. Yeah. Uh, for, you know, uh, rulers uh, tend not to like them. Um, do the royals ever come up? Do they ever ask uh, about them? Or well, they come up. Um, they come up in different ways. I was in Beirut recently for a, an Arab cartoon competition. Absolutely brilliant stuff. You sort of think, oh, yes, Arabs and cartoons—they're just going to kill all the cartoons. Not a bit of it. They've got. You know, visual satire is a universal phenomenon. Everybody has it. Usually, they're attacking. Not their own governments, but they had it. We all yeah. know what human beings do. And there's a Jordanian cartoonist there who was the first person to draw the King of Jordan. You know, about 15 years ago. Is that allowed? Well, it is now. And he felt really worried at the time. But uh, he then met the King of Jordan and said, oh, I really like that. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but it was when The Guardian first started putting my stuff and Steve Bell's stuff on the, uh, the internet, on their website, which took off after 9-11 because the American liberal media completely collapsed in the face of the Bush administration and the Patriot Yeah, the onslaught. And, the, yeah. Um, and so all these people were reading The Guardian and uh, in the nature of the vile interweb, which I think we should close down, we'd miss the cat gifts for about three weeks but otherwise we'd be oh. better off. But the, um, I'm going to use it to show this cartoon. That's, that's true, that's true. Yeah. But the um, started getting all these emails, these furious, furious emails, because American cartoon is very different from British cartoon, it's a different tradition, we, have, we look back at Gilray and Hogarth and this really vicious stuff that's been going on for three centuries, and then, uh, and of course Steve Bell would always draw uh, George Bush as a chimpanzee, because he looked like a chimpanzee, yeah. and he, had the, he sort of made a noise like a chimpanzee, he walked like a chimpanzee. Hmm. Chimpanzees would, could sue, I think, for defamation. Yeah, and they said, uh, they said uh, you know, how dare you draw our, our head of state, our commander-in-chief of the chimpanzee, you wouldn't do cartoons like this about your monarchy. And I said, well, I don't draw him as a chimpanzee. By the way, here's 300 years' worth of cartoons. Because there's a wonderful story about the, the, the French ambassador at the court of St. James in 1785, so that's four years before the French Revolution, saying that, sending a dispatch to Versailles saying, look, they are going to have another revolution like they did 150 years ago. They're going to chop off the king's head. It'll be just like it was then. Because you just walk down any street in London and all these little kiosks selling these satirical prints of the royal family in the most disgusting and depraved situations imaginable. And Gilray famously was doing the Prince Regent as this a voluptuary at his breakfast, having all these cures for syphilis around him and just being this foul bastard. And, um, and we were just doing it all the time. And of course, the French ambassador was completely wrong because we were laughing at the monarchy yeah. and portraying them as, in this humiliating way. In France, if you did that, you would be immediately knocked up as so, a steel. So they bottled and they, it up. And, and, and they bottled it up. Yeah. They had these sex libels about uh, Marie Antoinette, but none of them were funny. It wasn't satire. Yeah. It wasn't about the sort of pressure valve of, uh, of laughter. Mm. And of course, four years later, there was blood running in the streets yeah. of Paris because they bottled it up. And uh, in a way, although I'm a Republican, if we do have to have a royal family, their one function is for us to gossip about and laugh at. And laugh at, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
lack of respect. Lack of respect. Yeah. Lack of respect. And uh, they they would like us to have. You know, everybody would like to uh, be able to pull the uh, Les Majeste thing. You know, which we've now yeah. democratised. So everybody's always offended all the time yeah. because anybody says anything about anybody. But you know that. Um, given the fact that until comparatively recently, if you were rude about a king, you would probably be torn to pieces by wild horses. Um, but, you know, train spotters would like that to happen as well. I mean, everybody <laughs> would like to be protected against the, 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 the terrible, terrible danger but, but of being mildly more, upset. But know. the more we mock them, uh, if it spreads, and you have a repeat of, I don't know, royal, it's a knockout when Fergie got all those... Bit of royals to dress up in can they survive can they survive mockery in the end if it becomes absolutely widespread you do it I do it because we're republicans but if everybody did it would they I think I think it's I think it's less I think it's can we survive or can they survive the, the cringing embarrassment of the reign of King Charles III because Charles you know he is somebody who is the you know he's the man in the golden mask that he's trapped in this role. His, his sole function in life is to wait for his mother to die, which is yeah. pretty horrific. Yeah. Uh, he's pushing 70, unless he's 70 already. Yeah, everyone else wants their uh, parents to be immortal and go on forever, and he's waiting. And he clearly sort of hates it in many ways. Um, he's, um, he's in the public eye, which he hates. Uh, you know, it, it, would, it would be a kindness. It would be a kindness to say... You don't have to do this because you'll say, oh, well, you know, it's, it's um, well, what, what is, what is so pleased to have appointed this chrysanthemum to the Privy Council. Yeah. Um, but I think we should pull down uh, St. Paul's Cathedral because it's, it's not thatched. And you just think, oh, God, it'll be just so mm. excruciating. Yeah. And, they've, and they've, they've sort of got away just out of the general kindness and politeness of the great British people, of forgiving him for having basically tied Diana... Spencer to a rock as a kind of sacrifice to be eaten by the dragon of Windsor mm. uh, uh, and off nobbing Camilla um, they, they sort of, I think they were just sort of okay well at least he might be happy now but the idea of him going around just pontificating if he's a pontiff, no he's not sort of kingifying it's, it, I, I think we'll just be so mortifyingly embarrassed, it's like, it's like seeing Theresa May, Theresa May will finally go through embarrassment, not through anything else it's just, it'll just be too embarrassing for her to still be there. People will just be cringing by the thought of it. And I think they'll just be cringing at the thought of King Charles. Now I'm looking forward to it as a Republican. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Emma Dent Coward, the, well, the MP for Kensington Palace, yep. as well as Grenfell Tower. There's a, uh, there's a borough in uh, London with huge inequality. Uh, she thinks he, he'll be fantastic for the Republican movement. Uh, well, it's really, exactly. for the reasons you, you make out, is just an embarrassment. But it was such an embarrassment. We break the spell... Can you can you can you uh, but what are you um, three score now? Are you in age? I am nearly sixty. Nearly sixty. Uh, can you uh, see in your life? Hopefully, uh, long to go, Martin. Uh, yeah. Well, um, you know, I know, I know, people say, "What's going to happen? What's going to happen in the next general election? What's going to happen in the local elections?" You know, I always say, "Well, it's very likely that a huge space gecko called Collins is going to come along and eat the world." All right. Um, yeah. Well, we yeah. don't know. We that, don't know. We that's don't know an answer a source. Yeah. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how things, you know, change on a sixpence. Um, the idea that you have to afford the monarchy endless deference and I think it's because they're so unimportant that we're yeah. expected to do that just like you know the gaudiest journalism is about fashion which is yeah. fundamentally unimportant mm. <laughs> <And> yeah. so, <laughs> um, but uh, but if you think about the history of the monarchy you think about all the monarchies that have been overthrown yeah. all, the, all the, the monarchs that have been murdered well we, we started off that um, uh, the 
the fact that Leopold of the Belgians, the man who, who, who committed atrocity after atrocity in the Congo, which was his personal yeah, poor his funeral cortege in Brussels in 1910 was booed by 100,000 no. people. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's how much they love the monarchy. I, I love that. And, and, yeah. and who knows what's going to be. You know, I think people have a kind of respect for the Queen because we know nothing about her, and she's just got on with the job. She's been pretty quiet. She's been dutiful. I mean, she's been incredibly dutiful. You can't fault her for that. Mm. Um, she's also acquired a huge amount of money. <laughs> yeah, no, no, wonderfully rich. Now, I think we should have a pause now, yeah. uh, Mom, while you finish your cartoon, because I'm, I'm actually distracting you, I can. I think, I think you are a bit. I think you, 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 you whistle um, God Save the Queen for a bit. Uh, and then we'll be, then we'll then be we'll, back. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, that was my whistling. Uh, yeah. Here we are now. You've finished your royal cartoon for Not the Royal Wedding. Yep. And the reveal is, Martin? Well, the reveal is here the happy couple, uh, mm. Harry and uh, Meghan who are walking into Slough Register Office. Uh, no TV crews, no world media, no crowds of tidy children waving flags. Um, but, uh, you know, you need a witness for a wedding, and so they've dragged a homeless person off the street who's got a bottle of meths in a bag, uh, you know, to celebrate. Um, and uh, this is obviously one of the homeless people that the leader of uh, Slough and Windsor Council wanted to clear off the streets. Yeah, uh, and that's I think. It's not Prince be. Charles on hard times. <laughs> um, not yet. No, no, no. I think I think he'd have somebody to do these hard times mm. for him, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> See, now I I'd like them if they went off and had a private, personal wedding rather yeah. than try to turn it into some great state event where we're all supposed to be, you know, bowing, scraping, curtsying, forelock tugging, pretending uh, they somehow represent us when they do not. Well, they don't represent us, and I don't believe in bowing and scraping to anybody. You know, that's why I'm a satirist. There's probably some you're, psychological... You're, you're incapable of it. Yeah, flaw, flaw in me. But, but why, why do we need... You know, we, we have um, this celebrity culture, but the point of the celebrity culture is we, knock, we build them up so we can knock them down, so it just makes us feel... Uh, yeah, so it makes us feel good mm -hmm. because we don't have um, gladiators mm -hmm. anymore. We don't have sort of, you know, <laughs> lions tearing people to pieces in uh, public. Um, but the, the royal family... We, we do it in the same way, but we are expected to give so much more. And as I said, I've got nothing against them as people. Um, I don't think I'd probably want to spend a night in a pub with many of them. Possibly Prince Philip, he might be a bit of a laugh, but um, you know, uh, Prince Edward, I think, would be a bit of a bit of a washout. You know, going through, going through the sherbets. But um, but why are we expected to be so pitifully grateful? And that's the thing, you know, the Evening Standard when Sarah Sands was editing it, you, you knew that this was. Now at the Today Seeping, seeping away from being anything remotely approaching serious journalism, because every bloody day, the front page, there would be either a picture of Kate Middleton or a picture of um, Mrs. Cameron. I can't remember what her name was now. Samantha Cameron. Samantha Cameron. Mm -hmm. You know, getting uh, uh, amazingly discovered by some paparazzi uh, unpacking a flat pack unit in the car park at Ikea. Uh, looking, just, looking normal. Yeah, looking normal. And you just think, why am I expected to be grateful for this image of this person? Mm. I, don't, I just don't understand mm. what it is. What kind of mm. weird psychological iconography? Is it sort of semi-religious? What is it all about? Because, um, you know, these people are no better than you or I or anybody who is listening to us at the moment. Mm. And, you know, the mantra of uh, a satirist is the same as that wonderful old Jewish joke when people think they're better than you, you know, the old Jewish mother says, you know, they think they're better than you, but they shit and they're going to die. 
Yeah. Well, and it applies to all of us. That's very true. That's, that's lovely, and it's it's also the inequality in Britain when you have the you know, the hereditary family uh, sitting at the top of the tree, and then you have the homeless person. I'd yeah. much rather the money spent on that wedding. And it's a huge cost to the public purse because we know they won't be paying for the security and everything. Yeah. If it was better, it would be better spent helping homeless people off the streets into accommodation and building houses. Exactly, and that would be a proper legacy. Martin, that's brilliant. Thank you very much. And we will put this cartoon on the Mirror website. You'll be able to find it uh, next to the Not the Royal Wedding uh, podcast. Uh, Martin, been a pleasure watching you at work and listening to you. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you. And now on Not the Royal Wedding, we're joined by Tiff Stevenson, a comedian from Mock the Week. Got your own show, Bombshell, which you have a, uh, a Republican uh, bit, don't you? Uh, Tiff? Oh, well, yeah, I've got a, I've got lots of stuff about the current political uh, mm. state, and I also have some stuff about the royal wedding. I'm talking about, which will be very out of date, like as of next week, I think. Well, I don't know. There might be another one along soon. The way things are going. Yeah, mm. yeah. Just every mm. five minutes. Why not? Distraction. No, I didn't say that. Uh, yes, yeah, so I, the show's quite political, um, and also a lot of it is about sort of uh, the interactions between men and women, which has become so relevant in the light of Me Too and everything else happening. But I sort of wrote this show like a year and a bit ago, you know, to take up to Edinburgh and have this whole section about, you know, the difference between compliments and harassment. So it turns out that it's just, as time has gone on, it's just become increasingly more relevant. Also, it's a bit about a person who, you know, has always considered themselves left-wing, uh, beginning to, like, kind of find myself separating or away from parts of the left and that movement yeah. and feeling politically adrift. Right. right. Are you ready for the ten quick-fire... Sure, yes. Not the royal wedding question. Are they quick, quick-fire, are they? Right. Okay, all right. Well, we'll see. Yeah. Have you ever met a royal? No. I've been to a party that... Uh, Princess Beatrice was at. Mm, that's almost. Yeah, that's so almost, I was in a room with her, but there wasn't an official introduction. I certainly didn't get knighted in the way that Ed Sheeran mm. did. If you bumped into the Queen, what would you say to her? I would ask her if she has mugs with pictures of normal people on them. Oh dear. You know, just like people on their holidays <laughs> and stuff. Um, I imagine that she has like a mug with someone in the Canaries and a commemorative plate of someone on a stag do or something that would be <laughs> should be certainly served by ordinary people who are we told to know their place uh, have you ever seen god save the queen i have yeah we, well um i've sung it at school i think we've we've had it at school or like at the races maybe they when they have the brass band and they do a bit of an um papa mm. kind of they'll do cockney songs and god save the queen so i have before probably realizing what it meant um, although as I uh, sort of got older there's a, uh, a club in central London that's like an actors club called the Phoenix it used to be run by a very famous camp man called Maurice and he would make everyone stand for the national anthem and people wouldn't get up and he'd get very very angry he was a big royalist blimey I'm dare you not in my pub oh. you will stand you oh will dear. stand for God's oh sake the queen you drink in some odd places <laughs> uh, Buckingham Palace would you turn it into a hotel or flats I'd uh, put some, maybe some displaced people from Grenfell in there mm. flats we'll go for flats it's we'll the go short answer yes if you're hungry and you're only given two choices, would you have a swan sandwich or a Dutchy original biscuit? Oh, um, I don't know. Swan sandwich sounds a bit... Um, it's gamey, I imagine. Yeah, um, I imagine. I, I would probably feel quite sad 
about the idea of eating a swan, so I'm going to say a, a, a duchy. Original. Is it a duchy or a douchey? Well, I think uh, it depends how posh you are. I think, uh, I think he sells them for a fortune, doesn't he, uh, Prince Charles? And what's the best thing we could say about Prince Charles? He is a man of a certain age. Mm, cool. <laughs> he really is, isn't he? <laughs> if you want grumpy, you've got grumpy. <laughs> and some Tory MPs want to buy that family a new royal yacht. What would you spend a spare £100 million on? Oh, I mean, there's so many things we could yeah. do with that. We could uh, probably get some of the plastic out of the ocean. Yeah. Says the person drinking out of a plastic cup. Well, I mean, right there's now. always, you know. <laughs> um, I mean, there's so much. There's so much regeneration yeah. that could be done to areas that need it. Uh, money could be put into, you know, education for kids. I just don't think we need yachts. And I'm seeing some go around on the Thames just now. Look, there's one going past. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, into anything positive or a new wardrobe for me. Right, we'll go for, we'll go, we'll go for plastic, I think. Anyway, is Meghan Markle a good catch for a very fusty, traditional institution? I think so. Mm. I think, you know, bringing kind of an American into the royal family, also that is an incredibly white royal family. Yeah. You know, um, there's a lot of talk about Meghan Markle being... Uh, I was in America, and so a, a lot of American women's believe she's sort of living the dream. You know, that, oh my God, Meghan Markle is living the dream. You know, that certain type of American woman talks like their voice is running out of batteries. That type of woman. You know, because they see that she's gone from game show hostess to actual princess. Whereas I think she's gone from successful actress with autonomy to public servant with racist in-laws. Just a slightly different perspective on it. So, so a bit more, really, from living the dream to living the nightmare. Once yeah, she's in that I think yeah. that's how you know it's true love, though. Yeah. I think it's quite a task to be part of the royal family so I think that's a genuine relationship that they have a genuine love that they have but I think it's an uphill climb but I think it's what the royal family needs I think people really love the the young royals uh, much more than they do the older generations people are a bit more behind it but I still think the idea of a royal family itself is inherently mad uh, <laughs> she's about to find out <laughs> yes yeah and what will you be doing on uh, saturday the 19th of may when the uh, traffic chaos in windsor caused by uh, you know the royals blocking the roads um what will i be doing i will be my mum will no doubt be watching it because she'll be interested i'll be planning my own wedding oh congratulations thank you i got engaged at uh christmas so who's the lucky uh, prince uh the lucky mm. prince is a man called paul bertolotti Oh. and uh, I had to say yes because he wrapped my ring up so I wouldn't have got a present otherwise so here we are are you getting 23 million pounds <laughs> of public uh, money to no I feel like I deserve some of that money yeah no. yeah. Well, you're paying for it you know, yeah. Yeah, get some back yeah well I think that's why um, Meghan Markle's dad maybe sold those paparazzi pictures Maybe he didn't realise how it worked here. He thought he had to pay for the wedding. He's like, I'll get some money somehow. Didn't realise we're paying for it. We're all father of the bride, aren't we? So we should uh, yeah. we should probably make the most of that and get ourselves along. Uh, but I, I will be in the midst of planning my own wedding, which is... That's the worst thing about getting engaged, is immediately everyone kind of wants to know when you're, when you're going to get married. Yeah, it normally follows. So I it does follow, that, yeah, but yeah. It's, it's pressure. It's just it pressure. is pressure. You're quite right, it's pressure. It's pressure. <laughs> And who would you like to see as the first democratically head of state in a great British republic? Oh, I think all the people that I would have liked... Oh, I don't know, maybe Margaret Atwood. 
Oh, left field. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, like, all the people that I love, all the, like, kind of women, like Maya Angelou or people like that, you know, she's no longer with us. So, uh, yeah, I feel like anyone that... Who, who would you have? Uh, anyone, but, uh, you know... Anyone. No, I'd have J.K. Rowling. I'd, J.K. You know, Rowling. Yeah, yeah, Harry Potter, go. fantastic. There we go. There we go. If we're going to put, yeah, uh, a Brit involved, let's say J.K. Rowling, I'd yeah. agree with that. And also, she's massively boosted the economy with the books. Yeah. So she's probably responsible for a huge yeah, amount of the wealth that's yeah. kicking around. If the, if the Queen Studden was elected, good luck to her. Yeah, yeah I don't think she'd it. get voted in. No, uh, well, you know, probably not, but uh, probably a bit old. But there we are. It doesn't really matter, does it? Isn't it all about democracy and representation? And yes. Yeah. 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 Truly right. having a truly having a democracy. I mean, because we mock the Americans, don't we? We mock the Americans about Trump, and then you realise that we actually <laughs> we, we, <laughs> we have a sovereign. Yeah. Like, I might yeah. be a Republican. I think they do a little less harm than Trump, but uh, yeah. you know, nevertheless, yeah. yeah. I like to get him out. Maybe the same amount of hair dye. Who knows? That's great. I think you've just lost your uh, your damehood, and we'll uh, hopefully be able to keep you out of the Tower of London. Oh, brilliant. Excellent. Cool. <laughs> Steph, thank you very much for joining us on Not the Royal Wedding. Thank you. And we're joined now by Graham Smith, who is CEO of Republic, the campaigning group. Uh, we've used a lot of your facts in previous uh, editions of this Republican podcast, Graham, so it's lovely to speak to you in person. Yeah, thank you very much. Does the monarchy exist on a series of myths and create its own fantasy around royalty in order to survive? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, people don't really care about the constitutional design of this country that much. And, you know, it's not about, you know, oh, it's, a, it's a great piece of constitutional design. It is basically um, a passive acceptance of the monarchy built on three core misunderstandings, which is that... Uh, it's benign, it's non-political, doesn't really get involved or cause any harm, uh, number one. Number two is everybody, they think everybody else will, uh, loves him, this idea that he unites the country. Um, and there's a slightly sort of, um, I wouldn't say sinister, I suppose, but it's slightly sort of uh, underhand part of that myth, which is sort of everybody else likes to say, be quiet, you know, sort yeah. of, um, don't... Uh, uh, don't upset the crowd. And the the third one, which is the probably the strongest one, is that if you're thinking that everyone else likes it and is harmless, you're also told that it's really good for the economy. So why would you get rid of something which is making us a bit of money on the side and not doing any harm and just uh, you know a bit of fun for people? So and, uh, none of that's true. Uh, but you know you can imagine that if anybody just thinks that casually, hasn't really looked at it very carefully, and doesn't care that much, then you know you would uh, forgive them for for telling pollsters that they're happy to keep the, the monarchy. And let's, let's pick them in reverse order, as it were. Yeah. Uh, good for the economy. We're always told they, they cost a matter of pence yeah. per year, per yeah. head. Uh, that's a bit of a fiddled figure, isn't it? Well, it's a fairly dodgy figure. I mean, it's the sort of spin that would make Alastair Campbell blush. I mean, you know, it's the only institution um, that I know of that tries to get away with that, uh, that sort of dividing every, their total cost by every man, woman and child in the country, which is what they've essentially done. Um, the total cost they're, they're dividing is about 40 million, which is a fraction of the total cost. And obviously not everybody's paying tax. You just don't do that with no, spending. Of That's not. not how it works. You, know, you, you say, well, what do you need? Um, how much is it actually going to cost? Is it value for money? And, and you know, is this a good use of public money? Um, we've calculated the cost is uh, something in the region of £345 million to the taxpayer. How do you get that figure? So we're obviously taking the um, the official figure. We're adding to that um, uh, estimates 
uh, informed estimates in the press about security, which is around 100 million. Yeah. Uh, we count the revenue uh, of the Duchies of Lancaster and Duchies of uh, Duchy of Cornwall because they are um, essentially state assets which have been handed over to the royals. Uh, there's lots of costs to local councils. If you ever have a, a royal coming to your area to open something or cut a ribbon, um, do a freedom of information request to the council and ask them how much it costs because quite often it's tens of thousands, if not a couple of hundred thousand pounds for a quick visit. Um, so we do, yeah, we do. We, I mean, this is a, a rough estimate, but it's, a, it's probably a conservative estimate. And really, we shouldn't be having to work this out. It should be in black and white printed every year, everybody clear about what it costs. Yeah, I'm all for community support, but they must be the most subsidised family in Britain. Yeah, incredibly subsidised. And the thing is, a lot of this cost is on private stuff. It's private uh, travel, you know... Um, Using planes, holidays, trains... Yeah, and helicopters half the time to, to uh, you know, sort of Gloucester to Ascot, for example. They'll take a helicopter. Um, you know, a few years ago, getting on for 10 years ago now, a lot of MPs got into trouble for spending public money on themselves. Um, some went to prison, some lost their seats... Um, Prince Charles does it, and everyone just you know makes excuses and, and doesn't bat an eyelid. So I mean, I don't see how that is any mm-hmm. any different on a on a basic moral level. Um, but on the on the value for money, obviously, the people are saying, well, you know, it's costing us X amount, but obviously there's a ton of money coming back in, and that just doesn't stack up. No one's ever shown me any evidence that this is the case. It's all um, you know supposition and um, guesswork. And the um, the famous intangible benefits, you know, which is yeah. if you start saying something's intangible, it's mean you can't prove it. You know, that's basically what they're saying. Yeah, well, we know what happened in France. There's no shortage of visitors to Versailles. Yeah, but also even in London. I mean, Tower of London is far, far more um, popular and um, uh, profitable um, than Buckingham Palace. As far as I know, they don't go to the Treasury asking for money to do up the buildings, whereas Buckingham Palace has been badly managed for the whole of the Queen's reign and left in, uh, to fall apart. So they're now demanding, was it, £80 million? Um, or more than that, actually. It's £369 million to do a book house. So going up to £80 million a year for, yeah. the, for the grant um, to, to, to do it up. But still they refuse to, um, to back down to MPs' requests to open up the palace all year round. So, yeah, it, it doesn't stack up. And the, the second myth you mentioned, uh, that they're really popular, this is... I mean, there are some people who will turn up and wave flags. Yeah. Uh, other people, you, you and I, are very much a Republicans, a Democratic yeah. Yeah. Uh, argument. And in the middle, people are kind of accepting, but it's, it's only because they never really look at it. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is, the way it's kind of articulated is often, you know, it unites the country, and we're told that this wedding is going to be a national celebration, and it just doesn't... There's a shrug of indifference to these yeah, weddings. Yeah. And you know, there's a poll out just before, a week out before the 2011 wedding, saying, you know, um, I think 70% aren't interested. Same again this year. Um, the YouGov poll that we've just commissioned, 60% not interested, 70% doing something else that day, whether it's working or just having a normal day. Um, we actually asked people, do you think that the Royal should pay for the wedding, including security and policing? And I think it was somewhere over 70% said yes. We then said, do you, if you had a choice that your taxes could contribute to the wedding or not contribute, uh, over 70% said not contribute. So this is not a nation of royalists. They, no. they, would, they would be very happy to, to contribute and to celebrate and, and be part of it. And the people just aren't. And I'd say, you know, we talk about the Westminster bubble all the time, but there is a royal bubble... Um, where people 
just look inwards all the time at the people that are turning out, the people that are celebrating, and uh, the family themselves. And on days like Saturday, you know, go to the beaches, go to the shopping centres, go to the big uh, tourist destinations around the country. That's that's where everyone's going to be. There'll be a bigger crowd if it's a nice day on Brighton Beach, I'm sure, than in Windsor. But you put uh, barriers down a pavement and you limit it, you're going to get a crowd as a spectacle. Yeah, uh, I mean, people turn up to things. I mean, and we're a big country, there's lots of people. I mean, it's not difficult to get a million people into London as we had in 2012, but... I mean, I don't remember the Diana Charles wedding, but I was, uh, what was I, seven or something, um, and my parents said that, you know, they took us to the beach in Dawlish that day, and it's absolutely heaving, so this isn't new, you know, it's just obviously in 1981 there wasn't social media, there wasn't the same um, engagement or, or willingness to sort of point these things out, but, you know, it's, it's always been the case that most people just, you know, move on and, and uh, you know, they might pay some fleeting attention to it, but... Yeah, back in 1981, I escaped uh, to the Peak District in Derbyshire. A lot of other people did too, yeah, I noticed, yeah. and uh, we all got sunburned uh, yeah. as a result. But, uh, th- this idea of being benign, there is, there is a question of legitimising inequality and hereditary yeah. power. And, but I suppose yeah, Prince Charles with his black spider letters lobbying for the causes yeah. he loves, including fox hunting. <clears throat> Um, and yet we, we don't get to see those, do they? They're still protected. Well, there's a whole load of aspects to why it's not benign. I mean, you know, some people say, I've had MPs and politicians and whatever who would otherwise support it, but they just think, oh, you know, it's not relevant. What's the matter? You know, I've got more important things to worry about. But I would say that, that. There are, you know, the institution itself, I, I, you know, I'm on record as saying it's corrupt. Um, the, as you said, the, you know, Prince Charles is... Uh, misusing in, or abusing his position, in my view, um, to push his own political agenda. Um, it also gives us a head of state who um, is not independent. People like to think that she is, but she's only there to do what the Prime Minister tells her to do. Um, you know, in constitutionally, she may as well not turn up to work, because, I mean, the Prime Minister will, will make all the decisions. And over the last few years, we've had... Um, a number of moments when there have been hung parliaments, and particularly when both... Tory and uh, Labour leadership were in crisis after the referendum, when there would have been an opportunity there for a head of state to actually be effective and say something and show some kind of um, national leadership, and the Queen just didn't want to know. She was like, well, I can't get involved in that. Any controversy around me jeopardises the institution, and that's what comes first. So there's a lost opportunity in terms of having an effective constitutional independent head of state, and we have a, a, a monarchy or a royal household that misuses public money and which um, uses their secretive and unique access to ministers to lobby, A, for their own interests, and B, for their own, uh, their own agenda, as we see with Charles. And I, I'm certain that Charles isn't the, same, the only one doing that as well. So, really, if you're, you're the establishment, you know, you're, you're the elite, you're the people with power and, and wealth in Britain, uh, a monarchy is quite a good cloak of security for you. Yeah, I mean, our constitution um, is pretty rotten, and what it does is, I think, there's two... Um, uh, malign uh, aspects to it. Firstly, the Crown concentrates an awful lot of power in the hands of the government. Yeah. Now, that's not entirely obvious at the moment because the government's very weak and shambolic, but usually if it's got a, a decent majority, there's not a lot that the Prime Minister can't get away with, uh, with an acquiescent backbench, and quite often without even bothering the Parliament at all, using um, Privy Council or you know, um, whatever prerogative powers they've got at their disposal. Um, but I do think it also then creates this um, elite, pompous, 
you know, um, culture around Westminster and around power and around institutions where, yeah. you know, you get invited to garden parties, you get given gongs and awards and, you know, um, and I think that's really harmful to our sense of, uh, of being a democratic nation. I think that's appalling. And I think that we, we ought to have a system where everybody is looking everyone in the eye, calling everyone um, by their name and, and not bowing, not curtsying, no majesties and highnesses, just, you know, from head of state down to the, the, you know, the cleaner in the street, we're just all the same. And you're a citizen, not a subject. Yeah, and I would say, I mean, you know, the model that we're talking about having is not a US model or a French model. We're talking about having what we have now, parliamentary system, prime minister, independent head of state, but all elected, all um, democratic. And the Irish system is the, is the closest model. Now, there is a brilliant photo of Michael D. Higgins, the current Irish president, who's very, very popular. I mean, their presidents are as popular as our queen. There's a photo of him standing quietly, waiting patiently behind someone who's taking money out of a cash machine. Yeah. And yeah. this went this went viral. And you know, Irish people around the world just loved him for it because it, that is the sort of normal, humble. You know, he's president. Everybody respects that, but he is also just one of the people representing the people. Yeah, and that's, that's the level we should be aiming for. That's real dignity. Absolutely, um, that's far more dignified than anything the monarchy tries yeah. to do. Because I think the monarchy is just grubby. I mean, it's just it's very self-centered, very. Um, needy, you know, and just fair. I mean, you know, someone was saying, I can't remember who it was in the Times, just interviewed Prince Harry. I thought, well, at what point did you ask him, you know, you're spending millions of pounds of taxpayers' money on your wedding, you know, are you yeah. ever going to ask him that? But it's always fluffy stories about, you know, how, how much do you love your, your fiance? Yeah, you, do, you know, the groundwork for all those interviews are done in, in advance and questions cleared yeah. in areas, and if you stray out, you'll never be invited back. Well, this is one of the appalling things is that you came out with Channel 4 News a couple of years ago that there's a contract for them to sign, you know, and that's an appalling admission. Mm. That, I mean, Channel 4 News said that it wouldn't sign it, but um, BBC uh, refused to comment on the matter. Now which means to, they signed yeah, it. Yeah, which means they signed it, and that's appalling. And it, to the point where the, they have editorial control that if they had a programme that they wanted to get someone like me or you on as well, the royal household would be able to veto that contribution to the programme. So that's a pretty poor uh, state of affairs for our head of state and, uh, and her family. Um, but I, you know, I spoke to a journalist from the BBC a few years ago and said, well, you know, if there's a scandal or a controversy, invite, don't just repeat what the press officer said, invite the prince on, or whoever yeah. it is, get them into, to, onto today programme or, or Newsnight. And he said, well, everyone knows they don't do interviews. That's, that's not how it works. Tell, tell us you've invited them on and that they've declined. I love the idea of a newsreader saying, Prince Charles was approached for a comment but declined yeah. to appear. And how many times after they say that, you know, six, seven times, over six, seven different news stories, people start to go... Well, yeah, it's a fair point, you know. Yeah, it is a fair point. We ask everybody else on, why not? Yeah. Finally, Graeme, um, working it out, if you were seven in 1981 when Charles and Diana married, that must make you in your mid-40s. Yeah, As Great Britain's chief Republican agitator, do you think you'll see a republic in your lifetime? Yeah, I do. And I, I mean, when I started this job, quite a lot of people that I met in the... In our memberships, are you know I do support this, but it won't happen in my lifetime. I don't get that very often now, but um, and I've always said, well, it has to be in someone's lifetime. Uh, why not ours? You know, and and these things don't happen over generations; they happen relatively quickly. Um, and there's a whole load of things that happened in, in my lifetime, which you know, when I was born, wouldn't have been guessed at. You know, the fall of the the, the, the um, Berlin Wall. You know, first black American president, gay marriage. That even 15 years ago, people would say that'd be years away. 
um, back in 2000 when the you know the election was against uh, in the US was uh, Bush and Gore. If you said you know in eight years time or whatever it's going to be a woman and a black man fighting as the lead serious um, candidates for the uh, Democratic um, uh, nomination and then the black man's going to win it and then become president. People have said that's no, going to be 50 years away before we have that. So change happens relatively quickly and you can never really predict when it's going to happen. So yeah, I mean, I don't like it would be a mug's game to say it's going to definitely happen then or whenever. But I'd say this, uh, there is um, a lot of the support for the monarchy, a lot of that 75% is because of the Queen. We just haven't known anything different and we've never witnessed a succession. We're going to witness this, the first succession in the era of social media and 24-hour news, everyone wants their voice heard. Uh, we're going to have King Charles, who's controversial. We've got Republican movements around Europe, and we've got Australia, Canada, New Zealand all agitating as well. So this is going to change in the future. Well, on that uh, note of Republican optimism, Graham, I think we'll leave it there for this episode of Not the Royal Wedding, and thank you for listening.